uh, we are going to start talking about open-handedness, but really we're talking about generosity. And I thought, what better time to talk about being generous than heading into the holiday season, right? The holiday season, we have a lot of things to be generous for, but unfortunately, it's dominated by consumerism, right? We're, we're constantly looking at what do we have to buy. We're stressed out because of going to the store, dealing with the crowds. Some of you may already be done with your shopping. I don't understand you people. Uh, I've, all I've done is just think about buying stuff but haven't purchased a thing yet. But being open-handed, what does it mean to be open-handed? It really means to live a life of generosity, to see the resources that we have, our time, our talent, and yes, our money, as that resources from God, that we are stewards and not consumers, that God supplies everything for us and we steward it and living open-handed rather than living closed-fisted towards God and towards other people. Now, there's a difference between giving and generosity, right? Giving just literally means to transfer something. I transfer a resource that I have, my time, my ability, uh, a piece of furniture, something I have, my money. I transfer it from myself to someone or maybe even to a particular organization. But generosity is different. They're not one and the same. So when you think of generosity... What do you think of? Or maybe, who do you think of? Who's the most generous person that you know, and why? It's interesting, as we start to think about generosity, we think of maybe an individual, we think of a moment where we were a participant or a recipient of generosity. But sometimes we think about a feeling, right? That I I feel generous. It was a a generous moment. But but generosity cannot be defined as an emotion, right? It's not something that we feel. I would say it's a decision that we make, and it's an attitude with which we live. If you were to go to the dictionary and you were to look up generosity, this is what you would find. And this really sets it apart from giving. Generosity is defined as showing a readiness, say a readiness, to give more of something than is necessary or required. It's that, that word readiness that really sets it apart. It's a readiness to give, a willingness to give, a, a joy and anticipation of giving, and not just something, but more of something to say, say necessary. Now say required. If you're generous, you're going to have a readiness to give more of something than what is necessary or required. Now, that's the, the, de- the dictionary definition, but I want us to think of generosity this way as well. That choosing to be generous is making a decision to orient your life around being used by God. If you're going to be generous, you're going to make a decision to orient your life around being used by God. Because at God's core, he's generous. For God so loved that he gave his only son. He gave. He so loved. There's that readiness. There's that willingness. He gave the very best of heaven to a world that did not deserve or even know that they want his son. God is a giver. And we're never more like God than when we give. At his essence and at his core, he is generous. So if we want to be used by God, and if I were to ask you who in here wants to be used by God, I would assume, I would hope, that the majority of you would raise your hand. Yeah, I want to be used by God. That sounds like a good thing. Okay, are you willing to be generous? Because if he's a generous God at his core, then if I'm going to be used by him, he's going to ask me to be generous. 
Not only is he going to ask me, he's going to send resources my way that are not just for me, but they're for other people, that God wants to get things, stuff, finances to me so that he can get it through me. Can I be a conduit of blessing and generosity? If I want to be used, I have to be willing to be generous. Now, I think there's some misconceptions about generosity. And I'm going to proceed from this this thing that I believe, and I believe that everybody in here wants to be generous. I'm just going to believe that, all right? I'm an idealist by nature anyway, so it's easy for me to believe that. I believe we all want to be. But one of the misconceptions is that you've got to be rich to be generous, right? I've got to be rich. Now, when I ask who do you think about when you think about generosity, I thought about Warren Buffett. I really did. Or Bill Gates. You're like, yeah, but they're rich. Well, yeah, they are. But they give a lot. I mean, they both decided to give 99% of their wealth away. 99%. Yeah, but Josh, their 1% is massive. Well, it is. But they decided to give 99% away. I mean, if you want to just do an interesting study on someone, read about, watch a documentary on Warren Buffett and his desire to give. Not only a desire, it's an ethic of his to be generous. It's kind of interesting that, that these guys get more and they give and then more comes and they give. It's really interesting. And you say, well, okay, that's Warren Buffett, that's Bill Gates. Let's set them aside. They're the 1%. You say, I'm not rich. And the only reason you say you're not rich is by comparison because you're comparing yourself to the Warren Buffetts and Bill Gates. Drop the comparison from Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and look at the rest of the world. Look at the rest of the world. If you can reach in your hand, your hand in your pocket right now and pull out spare change or a dollar bill and someone says, what's that dollar for? And you say, I don't know. I wore these pants three weeks ago and there's a dollar. You ever found 20 bucks in a pocket and you're like, this is the best day in the world. It, it's, it's 20 bucks that doesn't have to go anywhere. If you can say that, you are rich. Spare change does not exist around the world. People are digging a, their, church, their couch cushions apart picking through the Cheetos to find change to buy food. Now, I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I just want you to see, by comparison, you're rich. If you have a car, you're rich, right? I mean, you are rich. You have more. You have, you have been so blessed because you were born in this country. You really have been. You, you I'm going to say it like this. You hit the luck of the draw when you were born in America. You were. Now, that comes with a great responsibility, a great It's a great blessing. It's not an entitlement. It's a great blessing to be born in this country, to have the resources you have, but it's also a great responsibility. So misconception number one, I got to be rich to be generous. Not true. Well, and that you are. You already are rich. Misconception number two, you could think of it this way. Well, because I'm an American, therefore I'm generous because Americans do a lot, right? We help the world, we give, we do a lot. But interestingly enough, the average American gives 2.5% of their income. Not the average Christian American, but it's probably true there too, or a little bit lower. Gives 2.5% of their income away. Now, during the Great Depression, get this, the average American gave 3.3% of their income away. Think about that for a moment. During the Great Depression, those individuals who struggled and were really having a hard time gave more away as a percentage than we do today. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just sharing stats with you, okay? Statistics show us that the more an individual or a family makes, the less they give. The more they make, the less they give. Why is that? Because the more you have, the more you're afraid of losing what you have, so you hold on to what you have and you don't give because you don't want to lose what you have. When you don't have nothing, it's pretty easy to give. I got nothing anyway. 
right? So the more you have, the less you give. It's a really fascinating thing to look at because the thought process is the more I have, the more I'll give. But the more we have, the more we have. And the more we have, the more it takes to support what we have, right? It's a really interesting thing. You know, you think about it, uh, the, the mega millions, what was it a couple weeks ago, 1.6 billion? How many of you had a thought of what you could do with $1.6 billion? <laughs> I don't care whether you think the lottery is sinful or not. You thought about $1.6 billion, right? Interestingly enough, the majority of people that win the lottery end back up on public assistance. Why? Because we have an amazing ability as human beings to blow money, to buy stuff we don't need. We have an amazing ability to do that. And plus, just how many people come out of the woodwork for when you win the lottery saying, oh, I need this, I need that. You know, whatever. We, we blow it. So the question that I have is, is why aren't we generous? If statistics show that. Because at any given church, you can take statistics. They will say, this is a very, you know, kind of an estimated thing, that there are 20% of the people sitting in the church are, are, are funding what the church is doing. 20%. That means 80% of the people sitting in a service at any given week are not contributing anything financially to the church. So 20%. So roughly, this church has about 1,000 people. So 20% of that are making up the majority of the funds necessary for what the church is doing. Now, I don't really know who gives and who doesn't here. I just know that people give because we turned the lights on this morning, okay? I don't study report every week of who's giving and who's not. So this is not to make you feel guilty. I'm just saying that it's, a, it's an interesting thing to look at. Why aren't we generous? And I will say this again. I believe we all want to be, but we don't think that we can. I really do. I believe we want to be generous. If we were to sit down for coffee and have a conversation, i say, do you want to be generous? you like, no, I want to be stingy. No, you wouldn't tell me that. I want to be, I don't think I can. And why is it that we don't think we can be generous? I think it's a number of factors, but I think really because we have what's called, I would call a scarcity mindset. We have a scarcity mindset. We have an improper view, number one, of who supplies. God supplies everything, Right? Now, God supplies for you either weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly, doesn't he? Depending on how your paychecks roll in. That's a form of his provision. God owns it all. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. He owns it all. God is your source, not your company. God is your source. I really believe that. And we view ourselves not as stewards, but as consumers. And here's what the scarcity cycle does, all right? God supplies. He supplies it all, weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly, Here's what we do. Instead of give or be generous, we consume. What, how do we consume? We pay bills. We buy groceries. None of those things are, are inherently bad. And then we buy stuff maybe that we don't need to make ourselves feel better. So we just begin consuming. So we consume. Then what happens is we lack. Ah, oh, man, I, I spent too much money here. I shouldn't have bought those tennis shoes. I shouldn't have gone to that movie. We shouldn't have eaten out. We should have eaten at home. So we lack. And then after we lack, what happens is we fear. I'm afraid, what am I going to do? And then to make ourselves feel better, we consume some more, right? And about 45 years ago, something was introduced into our lives, which just fundamentally changed everything. That was a credit card. And you can buy now, pay later, right? I was in Mexico one time on a mission trip, and we went through a market, and this guy was standing outside of his store, and he's like, come, come. He said, you can use Visa, MasterCard, you can buy now, pay later. It's okay, right? And I'm like, this dude understands. He's a great salesman. Buy now, pay later. I mean, as Americans, we spend $1.26 for every dollar we earn. 
don't know about you. I, I got a degree in Spanish, not in math, but I know that doesn't work. It doesn't work. We consume, then we lack, then we fear, and then we consume some more, and we get ourselves in a cycle, and we get ourselves in a hole. And we end up living, unfortunately, as fearful, lacking consumers rather than generous, open-handed stewards for God. Because we bought into the world's paradigm that says more is better. It's all about you, right? Remember that iPhone uh, campaign that said, iPhone is happiness. No, iPhone is $1,000 is what it should have said. Because <laughs> you get it, and then a year later they come out with a new one, and you got to be happy again, right? No, no, no. Fearful, lacking consumer or a open-handed, generous steward. So how do we break this cycle? How do we break this scarcity cycle? Someone could say, get a raise. No, that'll just compound the problem. I think really what we do is we make a decision to put God first. To put God first in our finances. To put God first. Now, I recognize this probably isn't going to be the most fun message for us to talk about. But it's probably one of the best messages that we can hear because the number one cause of divorce in North America is finances. Finances. If I were to do a survey and say, what is one of the biggest issues you're facing in your life? There's a good chance a lot of people are going to say, finances. How do we rectify this problem? We put God first. The first step towards being generous, I believe, is this word that we all love to talk about, tithing. I didn't get an amen in the first service either. So, I mean, is <laughs> tithing. It's the first step to generosity. What does tithe mean? It literally means a tenth. It literally means a tenth. Some people say, well, I don't believe tithing is for today, right? That's, that's the Old Testament. That's the law. And what's interesting is, is that Abraham tithed 500 years roughly before the law was ever instituted. Abraham was blessed. He comes across this guy named Melchizedek, and because of his blessing, and Melchizedek was a priest, some believe he was Jesus Christ, and encountering Abraham, he gave him a tenth. Abraham, Abraham, Abraham gave to Melchizedek because he was blessed not to be blessed. That's a very important thing. Abraham gave because he was blessed not to try to be blessed. Because I guarantee you today, I'm not going to say, if you give $58 to Faith Community Church, 58 blessings are coming your way. Right? It's not one of these things. I believe God wants you to prosper. I believe God wants you to be blessed, but I believe he wants you to have soul prosperity. He wants to bless you from the inside out, not the outside in. That's how God works. Inside out blessings, not outside in blessings. He wants you to prosper in your soul internally. And he wants you to put him first financially. Yes, God made the tithe as part of the law for his people as a way to bless them, but it existed over 500 years before the law. And I'm just going to say this, it works. If you're spending a lot of time trying to you dissect the Bible and do an in-depth study to prove that you shouldn't tithe, I mean, you're wasting time. You probably believe that you should and you're looking for an excuse not to. I, I can't tell you how many arguments I've had with people say tithing is not for today. That's fine. You can believe that. All I know, I watched my parents do it for over 35 years. Lauren and I have been doing it, and it works. It works. Putting God first in your finances works. So how do we break this cycle? What we do is we give generously. That's what we do. We make a decision to give generously. We make a decision 
to be, have a readiness within our hearts and minds to give more of something that is necessary or required. We make a decision to orient our lives around being used by God. I want you to listen to what Paul says. Paul's writing to his church at Corinth, okay? This new church, he's talking to them about giving. And here's what Paul says. Paul says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response, in response to pressure. Here, here's what I love about that. I'm not trying to pressure any of you into giving today. I'm not up here because we have some big bill that we have to pay. And I thought, you know, it'd be really great if I just preached on tithing. We need money. No, no. I'm sharing this with you because this is life-giving. This is the word of God. This is the truth. And it can only help you and benefit you. And if I don't, shame on me. Right? So, hey, if you feel pressured or reluctant this morning, don't give. That should not be your motivation. Believe me, I grew up with a lot of heavy-handed giving servants on tithing that I felt my clothes were going to disintegrate, my transmission was going to fall out, and God fundamentally hated me if I didn't give him money. Okay, this is not, this is not the spirit of this. Okay? Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Everybody say cheerfully. cheerfully. That's the word, like I don't know how you pronounce it in the Greek, but it looks like hilarious, literally. God loves a hilarious giver. Think about that. How many of you have ever given and just were so, it was so wonderfully exciting, you were hilariously laughing that you just could not wait to put that check in the bucket as it went by. You could not wait to text to give. You could not wait to log in and give. Exactly. That's probably how the church at Corinth felt. What is this dude saying? God loves a cheerful, hilarious giver because God cheerfully, and it says it pleased him to give his son to you and I. God did not do it out of compulsion or obligation. God gave because he so loved. That's amazing. So Paul said God loves a cheerful giver. So the next time you give, just try to do it in the most hilarious way that you can. Where you conjure up the joy, the readiness of doing it. And it says this, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always, say always, Always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Don't you love that? We love the part that says God will give you everything you need. Oh, by the way, to share with others. Not just for you, to share with others. And it says they share freely. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered forever. Paul's saying, hey, make the decision in your heart. Talk about the, the amount that you want to give. You say, I don't want to start with 10%. Well, that's fine. Start with 8%. And really, that's just a benchmark, kind of a beginning point with God. Make the decision to put him first. You say, well, what happens when we put God first? Well, verses 10 and 11 tell us that God multiplies abundantly. He really does. He multiplies abundantly. Look at what, what he says. It says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources, then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always, everybody say always, be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Think about this for a moment. Here's what God's saying. You become generous by being generous, and God provides you the resources to do so, and then he multiplies it. So you say, how do I be generous? God empowers and enables me to be generous. Just like he gives seed to the farmer so it can produce, he gives resource to me. 
What a lot of us do is we get a seed from God, whether it's financial or whatever, and we put that seed on the shelf and leave it in the bag and we expect it to grow. Or like if you eat an apple, if you eat the seed, the seed's not going to grow a tree inside of you, is it? No, it's going to be wasted. What we do a lot of times with our finances by consuming it, we waste it. We don't plant it. We don't put God first, and it doesn't give God an opportunity to bless and multiply that for us and for others. Now, give me, I am not trying to say God is going to make you a millionaire. Hear me. All I'm saying is that God is faithful and he provides. But just like the farmer has to take the seed and put it in the ground, it needs the conditions to be what it was called and created to be so that it can perform its function. But listen, God provides and he brings increase and he always, always will provide so that you can be generous, not so that you can be a consumer. Doesn't mean you can't have things. Things are great. Just don't let things have you. All right? He's faithful. Well, how do I experience this? You put God first. What you do is, is you go to what we would call the abundance cycle. God gives us a new paradigm. A new paradigm, okay? Instead of the scarcity mindset, he has this abundant mindset where he supplies weekly, biweekly, monthly, however. He supplies, and then the first thing we do instead of consume is we give. What does that mean? Just very practically, here's what Lauren and I do. We get paid biweekly. The first thing I pay, the tithe. I give first. Give first. So you give, then what happens? God multiplies. Then what happens? Your faith grows. And you give. We give, God multiplies, our faith grows, and we give. What does that mean? We learn how to be generous by trusting in God, and we gain experience of his faithfulness. And I'm talking about, hey, what does God multiply? There were many, many times for Lord and I where we would tithe and say, we know that on the balance sheet, it doesn't look like we're going to have enough left to make all the bills, and God, through some way, it would be multiplied. I didn't ever got a $100,000 check in the mail that made my life easier. Slow, consistent, God providing through variety of ways and people and means. God provides. You give, God multiplies, your faith grows, and you give versus consuming, lacking, fearing, consuming, lacking, fearing. It's, it's, a, it's a whole new paradigm to look at it. If it's God's in the first place, I'm going to give it back to him. I'm going to do it first. It takes faith to give first. It doesn't take faith to give last. If you're going to do this, I would encourage you, make it be the first thing. Don't wait and see at the end of the month if there's enough left over. Because if you're like me, whatever's left over is probably going to get spent. Because stuff happens, right? Things happen. So we give generously, God multiplies abundantly, and it starts with the tithe. So I just want to share three thoughts about the tithe with you. And we're going to talk more about this in the next two weeks, but three thoughts. Here's the first thing about the tithe for us. It teaches us to always put God first. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. God is speaking to me. He says, bring the tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose as his sanctuary. And this applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your flocks and herds. That was all their resources. That was like their, their money of the day. And he says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. 
What is the purpose of tithing? Scripture lays it out. To teach you to always put God first in your life. Always put him first in your life. You say, is the tithe for God or is it for me? Well, do you think God really needs your money? It's not like God is looking at Lauren and say, if you would just give me your 10%, then I can get a latte up here. Like, I'm really struggling this month. No, no, no. We're not funding God. God doesn't need our money, but he knows that money has us. And he's teaching us to put him first, to trust him. He doesn't have an ego trip. But he fundamentally knows that his way is better than yours. He knows how to handle money way better than you and I do. And he wants to teach. If we'll trust him financially, it'll be easier to trust him in other areas. He says, trust me on this. Put him first. Because God is going to be first whether you put him first or not. He's preeminent. He is preexistent. At the end of the day, he's winning the race. He's first. That's who he is. He first loved us. Christ is the firstborn among men. Right? He's first. But he wants you to decide to put him first. God will be generous in you and through you, but not in spite of you. He wants you to partner with him to be generous. Some of us want more, and we say, God, give me more, and I'll be generous. And God is saying, be generous, and I'll give you more. That's, there's a different thing. Can he get it through you? If, he, if he'll get it to you, where it's not for me. It's not for personal gain, primarily. So the tithing teaches us to put God first. The second thing that tithing does is it grows our faith, or it builds our faith, is what it does. Tithing builds our faith. And a famous tithing uh, passage that some have used for, you know, uh, maybe improper gain, but it's still true. God is talking about the tithe to his people. And he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. He says, try it. Put me to the test. Put me to the test. One of the really only areas in Scripture where God encourages us to try it. Now, I know he's speaking to a specific group of people, but we can look at it as him teaching, speaking to us today. Try it. Put it to the test. See if it works. And I would encourage you here this morning. Again, I don't know who's in. I don't know who's out. But if you've never really put God first in your finances, do it. Test it out. Give it three months. Why three months? Because I think that's a long enough time for you to actually do it. Some people say, well, I tried it for a couple weeks and it didn't work. Well, guess what? I went to the gym for a couple weeks. And I didn't see any change in my body. I went on a diet for a couple weeks and gained weight. I mean, I don't think there's anything magical about three months. Try it and see what God does. See what he does. You're like, well, here's the thing about tithing, Josh. It's difficult and it's hard. I know. Oh, I know. No, no, you don't understand. Like if I were to tithe, if I were to give this 10%, I would have to rearrange my whole life. Yes. No, no, no. I might have to give something up. Yes. It would really stretch my faith. You got it. We're all on the same page here. When you got married, did it rearrange your life? When you have kids, did you give something up? Yeah, sleep, sanity, finances, right? All that. Let me ask you this. How has the blessing of marriage and kids been? And please don't think of the worst case scenario and try to make a case for it was horrible. Was it worth the rearrangement? Was it worth the giving something up? Was it worth trusting God 
that he's faithful and you didn't know how to be a parent, a husband, a wife, but God just empowered you to do it? Why can't he do that with your finances? I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. Believe me, my own story with tithing, I told you, I grew up my whole life in the church, a little more hard line than, than I would have liked, and I heard a ton of messages that scared the living daylights out of me as it relates to tithing. A lot of it about robbing God and your you know, transmission's gonna fall out, your air conditioner's not gonna work, all this kind of, they guilt, 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 guilt. I don't believe in guilt because guilt doesn't work more than five minutes, really. Abraham tithes because he was blessed. I think it's something we get to do. All right? And so there was a period of time after Lauren and I got married, I was, I was just living in fear because I hadn't really, you know, developed my faith on this. I saw my parents tithe faithfully and God provide for them, but I told Lauren, I don't, I don't advocate this for you, but I told Lauren, look, look, I'm not giving God another dime until I want to. I was so afraid that God was going to, you know, strike me down. So for three months, I didn't. Again, I'm not saying this needs to be your journey. This was just me. In those three months, the air conditioner worked, the transmission ran great, and nothing happened. And then I felt the Lord begin to, and, I, and during that three months, I, went, I was looking for scriptures on, on ways, reasons why I shouldn't. I was trying to formulate a theology against it. You know what I mean? It was unproductive to a certain degree. And I felt the Lord begin to prick my heart and say, Josh, why don't you begin to trust me? Lauren was doing the finances at the time. I really felt like it's something that I needed to do to trust God. And so, and so I started doing that. And we used to give uh, some of our stuff online before. And I, I just really felt like what I needed to do was I needed to write that check out every, every time we got paid on paper. So that's what I started doing. I started writing that. Because when you write it out, you got to see it. Right? you got to look at it. Then you got to put it in an envelope. And then you got to drop it. It was just a, a process for me. In the memo line, I had just looked up scriptures like some of them I shared with you today. And I don't know why I did this, but in the memo line, I wrote the references for all those scriptures. And if you were probably to go back to the archives of this church, you would maybe see that on the images, why is there scripture all over this check? Because that was just me believing, okay, God, I'm going to trust that your word is true for this. So I started writing it out. In that process, uh, our son Carson was, uh, was going to be born. And Lauren really felt like she needed to stay home with Carson and I really felt like financially that was just a poor move. I wasn't looking at it through any other lens than uh, we're losing your whole salary and not replacing that. I do not think that's God, you know. <laughs> and so I would put, no, 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 we'll pray about it. We'll think about it. And I was like, hey, we'll just wait till he's born and then make a decision. And I was, I was going to work one day and we lived in a duplex at the time. And I, I remember I put my hand on the, no, the, the doorknob and I just felt the Lord kind of speak to my heart and said that faith is not waiting until provision comes to make a decision. It's making a decision while provision is on its way, kind of like Abraham and Isaac up the mountain. I got to work. I texted Lauren. I said, hey, you know, this is why I feel like the Lord spoke to me today. Um, let's just trust him and you stay home. And so we did that, and, and, and maybe some of you experienced that. You don't replace income, and the bills stay the same, right? And so we're tithing, and in that time, we were going to the grocery store with a calculator. With a calculator. We had made a decision to continue to put God first, and even though we lost income, to continue to pay God, put God first, and, and give the tithe every time we got paid. Going to the, going to the st- grocery store with a calculator, putting stuff back. I remember one particular time, we have f- about $45 to spend on groceries and stuff for two weeks, 45 bucks. And so I, don't, I can't say we ate very healthy uh, during that time, but we were at the Arnold Walmart and we we're in one aisle. And I like anybody ever eaten 15 bean soup comes in a little pack. You put Italian sausage and cornbread in. It's kind of like poor man's food, but it's really good. We got that packet and we added it up and we didn't have enough. And we had to put the soup back. 
on the, on the thing. And, you know, you would think that I'd be so bummed that I couldn't eat 15 bean soup, but it was a moment where I just really felt the presence of God in Walmart. And I became teary-eyed, and I just had this scripture rise up me. He shall provide every single one of my needs according to his riches and glory, which are in Christ Jesus. It gets in Philippians. Put that back. Went home. Things didn't get better right away. I remember, you know, we had you know, a couple dollars in the bank account until we got paid next, all with a newborn baby. And this is where God taught me to be generous. God taught Lauren and I to be generous when we didn't have anything. He didn't wait until we had stuff to teach us to be generous because here's the thing. 10% is 10%. The more money you make, the check gets bigger. It gets bigger. Some say, well, you have to bless me and then I'll give. No, you won't. You won't. Start wherever you're at. And God is so faithful. I could take you back, and within, within a number of years of that, probably two to three years, Lauren, God blessed. My income increased over 100%, not because I went out looking for it. I mean, God was just faithful. God had done many things for us. This year, we're doing the Giving Hope right challenge where I really felt like as a church that we were just supposed to give $100,000 as, as like a tithe above and beyond what we give into the community, 70% here local and 30% around the world. And so far, you guys have given almost $60,000, so that's really awesome. Yeah, Woo, clap yourself, that's really good. That's above and beyond. But, but I felt as, as that, I took it to the board and everything and said, hey, I think we should do this. And then I really felt like the Lord said, I want you to give $10,000 above and beyond what you normally give. I said, well, I don't think that's you, right? Like, I don't. <laughs> it's great if I can ask these people to do it. And I went to Lauren. Lauren's like, yeah, for sure, let's do it. I mean, she's just, you know, faith woman. And so, and so we did that. And I thought, you know, really, I'm not going to ask people to do something that I'm not willing to do. And so that's what we've been doing this year is, is giving more. God's stretching our faith. Can you trust me? Hey, give 10%. Can you give more? I'm not up here trying to brag. I'm just trying to up, up here to tell you that God continues to teach us to be generous. He continues to give it to us so that he can get it through us. I'm experiencing the joy of it. I've had the anxiety of it too. I did not get excited about giving $10,000 the time it came to start writing those checks. I had a lot of other ideas what I could use $10,000 for. And initially at the beginning of the year, it was not giving it to this. But I have this sense of God has been faithful in the past. There is, there is a, a something that he's doing in our hearts now for what he wants to do in the future. And God, I'm going to invest it. I'm going to take this seed and I'm going to invest it in you and in your kingdom and whatever you, you want us to do with this particular thing. And I want to do it cheerfully, not, in, not reluctantly or in response to pressure. And here's the beautiful thing about us. We want something for you, not something from you. I'm not up here doing this today literally because I've got some bills coming that I need you to fund. And this is not the motivation for this message. It's for you. I want something for you, not something from you. And I recognize it's difficult, but it only begins when you make a decision to put God first, you rearrange your life, you give something up, you see your faith grow, and what you rearranged and gave up, you realize wasn't that important. It could never satisfy and fulfill. Only God can. Only he can. The third thought that I want to share with you is this, that the tithe provides for the work of the church. It does. It provides for the work of church. I, I want to do something. If you're in here today and you say, you know what? My life is different because of Faith Community Church. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Look around. All of you that are contributing 
and giving, every raised hand you played a role in because of putting God first. Now, I could invite people up here to share stories of God's faithfulness, and you're going to see some of those in the weeks to come, people that we ask that have, have been putting God first, not for five minutes, not for three months, for 10, 30, 40 years, and listen to their stories. If you could only hear some of the stories that I get to hear of people saying that God was faithful. Someone came up to me today after the first service and I said, you know what, in 2008, we lost our retirement when the market crashed. Boom, gone. We continued to tithe and we made it through not only on our social security, what was coming in, but also through God just providing for us. These are people that were in a later stage of life. 2008, I lost a little bit, but hey, that was 10 years ago. I was 23. It didn't affect me like it affected some people who were in their 60s and 70s. But I said, God is faithful. God is faithful. And so one of the things that I want us to do is this. When you came in this morning, uh, probably you're maybe sitting on it or you saw it along with the notes was these cards that says something extra to show you that God loves you. Something extra to show you God loves you. We're calling these like generosity cards or kindness cards. We are each week, we want to give you just a practical step uh, to be kind and to be generous. While you're praying about maybe whether you're going to tithe, you're going to put God first while you're doing that, we want you just to start being generous this holiday season. So for this week, here's your challenge, all right? You could take more of these cards. I think we have like 3,000 of them and we want to give them away, Okay. Put it on your tab. What's that? Put it on your tab. Buy somebody's coffee. Buy somebody's meal at a dinner. Pay for somebody's gas. Give this to the, to the clerk or the waiter or waitress and say, can you put this with them and let them know that, that their meal has been paid for? Some, for some of us, it's going to be the greatest act of witnessing that we've done in a long time. Something a little extra to show you that God loves you. If you had... What we did today is that we gave five, uh, five drinks in the thing away for free before and five drinks after. This is not a free drink card, just so you know. Um, but if you order something after, which if you don't know all of that stuff, just goes right into missions. Here, here's a free drink, just a way uh, to be kind. They're giving like 15 or 20 of those away to unsuspecting people. So more people, I think, are going to go out and try to get a latte for free after this. But, but yeah. Take more of these. They're out at the, the, uh, the guest connection area, registration area. Take more of these cards. Pray about it. Hey, God, send me somebody that I can be generous with. You say, I only got like five bucks. Make that five bucks matter. You can get a grande latte for five bucks, all right? You can, you can help somebody. You can, you can just be kind and generous. You can kind of be countercultural in this season of consumerism and say, hey, I'm going to think about someone else rather than just myself. And there's a really cool thing, and I forgot the... Uh, the email address they want us to send. Uh, they told me, and I didn't write it down. But if you, if you have a cool story, get online and tell us what happened um, on Facebook or something, what happened when you did this, so that we can share uh, with you all what God's doing just in the community. It's not about getting faith community's name out there. It's just about getting out there that, hey, God loves you, he cares about you, and he wants to provide for your smallest need and your biggest need. But he wants to provide for people through you as you put him first. So make the decision today. Say, I'm not going to live in a scarcity mindset. I'm going to live with an abundance mindset that God's going to prosper me from the inside out, that I can be a blessing to other people. I'll rearrange my life. I'll give something up. I will choose to live open-handed and not close-fisted towards God or towards the world. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person that's here this morning. 
We just thank you that you are a generous, open-handed God. Help us, Father, to live as generous, open-handed stewards, to put the resources that you've given us in your hands and to see what they do. Because anytime we put something in your hands, Father, you multiply it. We see it with the five loaves and two fish. You multiplied it to feed over thousands of people. Help us, God, to trust you, to rearrange our life and, and, and trust that you're faithful and you're good and see that you are a generous, generous Father. Keep us safe this week, Lord. I pray that you provide for every single one of the needs that are represented here in this place this morning. God, bless us. Keep us safe. Bring us back next week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.